Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you once more. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Recovering from last night, I might add. Last night was a good time. Once a year, it's an annual tradition. We have our football radio crew kickoff dinner, and a good time was had by all. Good time was had by all. It's officially football season once you have uh, engaged with Gene Deckerhoff and heard his golden tones and know that he is in midseason form, even though it's just preseason for the Bucks right now. What's he got, two under his belt now? They got two more to go? Something like that. Yep big week we had media day we had our kickoff dinner we have the kickoff lunch on friday luncheon from the uh, fsu alumni association and at long last it is the eve of the launch of the acc network tomorrow evening seven o'clock be there be square and appropriately just so fsu fans can add cynicism to the mix Outside of the studio show, the first official program is about basketball, not football. <laughs> it's a Coach K Duke special. Am I right? <clears throat> there you go. So that gets launched tomorrow. Hopefully you have all cut the cord. Comcast does not have a deal yet. I think at this point from the people I've talked to, they don't expect anything in these 24 in the 11th, hours. 11th and a half hour. In the 11th hour. But the next wave of when the pressure will come is when the games are actually televised on the ACC network. For example, week two, the first home game for FSU, only available on the ACC network, not on an app, not anywhere else, unless your carrier carries the ACC network. And then game week three, it wraps up one more because it's an away game at Virginia, only available on the ACC That's network. the one that will really put pressure on Comcast because Virginia is heavily a Comcast state too, along with not just Tallahassee, but throughout Florida. So we'll see. That said, the ACC network is launching with many more homes than the Pac-12 network has seven or eight years in, launching with more homes than what the Big Ten network had when it launched, and it's the one that gave birth to all these conference networks. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. What were your impressions from Media Day? <clears throat> I had an opportunity, and I apologize for my voice, I had the opportunity to, to meet Hornibrook and um, <clears throat> Jordan Travis for the first time. We just, you are not in midseason. I am not. Well, yeah, I am. I'm hoarse. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. <laughs> um, very, very, very impressed with those two kids. 
uh, had an opportunity to just chat with him casually. You know, we weren't recording. We weren't doing anything other than catching up with him. Um, Hornibrook is a, is a good-looking kid, reminds me so much of Christian Ponder in the way he carries himself. Um, Travis is, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had an off-the-record conversation with him that basically went along the lines that he really likes Florida State, and you may read everything into that that I'm saying, and uh, took a little bit of a circuitous route to get there, but he's very, very happy to be here. And if you've read any of the comments from Coach Taggart's presentation at the quarterback club last night, uh, it's now a three-way quarterback race uh, in that he is being given ample time to try to prove himself. He had a, a little bit of a, a knee problem early in camp, uh, did uh, did Travis. But I really like where we are in the quarterbacks, uh, and that, that was my biggest takeaway, my biggest takeaway. Do you buy that it's a three-quarterback race? I, I, part of me doesn't. I, I get that, and I know that that's being said. But at the same time, we have seen Florida State's quarterbacks go down to injury. Two years ago, a season-ending injury, and and at other times last year with uh, DeAndre. So whoever is number two, we'll see some playing, some significant meaningful playing time, not just mop-up time, more than likely. So therefore, you got to pay attention to it. Do you think that if it is close, i.e. toss-up, you have to go with Blackman because of the residual damage that could come being that he's such a team guy it's it'd be one thing if hornerbrook was out there and was clear cut better than blackman right now the team would see that but if they're about even how do you make that decision well if if they're about even yes i go with blackman because he's more experienced in the program but if it is clear cut kids know that if and, clear, and they'll want whoever the number one guy is. If it's clear cut, it's not a hard decision exactly. at all, and it's not a hard sell to the team. My point is, if it's if it's pretty close to even, do you say, well, Horner Brooks played more games, had more success? Do you say Blackman's the team guy who's been here? I, I go with Blackman because he's been here, acknowledging that Horner Brooks does have the experience. But here's the other thing about it that's unique in this situation, in my opinion. Even if it's close. And even for whatever reason, Browles and Taggart choose someone other than Blackman, it will not be a team problem because that's how locked in James is. James will make sure that it is not a team problem. Do you think if they are that close, we could see a scenario, you take these four drives, you take these four drives, and actually let's just run it and see. Maybe not against Boise, but or maybe through the course of the first two weeks. If they did that, I would not want to do that simply to to create a a, um, a merry-go-round. What I would like to see, and I think would be cool, what did uh, what did Coach Bowden call it when on the second or third series? He'd oh, see we're not going to do that. The Kentucky Derby offense. I I think that's great. Now, what I'm saying is it not the great. offense. I'm saying with the quarterback. Oh. You know, maybe you send them in for a play or two on the second or third, you know, just to get them acclimated, get them in there. That's what I'm saying because that keeps everybody in the ball game. But when you're going tempo, then you got to sub a quarterback out. I mean, I, I, if you read between the lines, and they and it's not even reading between the lines, they more or less said this. They're not going to, you know, Kendall wants to play seven or eight receivers, but he's not switching them in the drive. They got a drive that's humming. You're not subbing out receivers. You're not subbing out O line. You're making those substitutions it, it for the would, next series. It would be a series thing. Uh, but I, I I wouldn't mind seeing that. I don't think we will because I think they'll play it, particularly in the first game, close to the vest. But that would not bother me. And and 
I'm honest with you. Those two other kids could hold their own against Blackman. Blackman may be better, but those two other kids will hold their own. They are more than serviceable. It will shake out here soon. I would expect that, I'll see if you agree, that by Monday as we go into game week, there will be a starting quarterback announced so you know that week. Do you agree or do you think this is really going to be held until we're at warm-ups in Jacksonville and then we're going to find out? I think, I think you got to get through another scrimmage this week and just say, here's our guy, build him up that week. Because There's a perception that by not naming your starting quarterback, you create some kind of confusion with the opponent's defense. Okay? So I would, I would go 1B. I think the kids will know, and Willie may not announce it until later on next week. But the kids will know, if that makes sense. Because you got to split the reps a little bit differently that week. I mean, it's one thing to say you're going 50-50 or however they're doing it with Travis now. But at some point, your starter needs to get more reps. That is correct. All right, what else you want to talk about? Uh, good to see Terry and, and, uh, and that was, Marvin that's back another, at I left that out. That was the good news from yep. And Kendo was back at practice yep. yesterday. Uh, that was all good. Uh, obviously, from comments from Coach Taggart and others, you felt comfortable that they were going to be. I worry about rust. I worry about how good a shape they're in. But uh, even though Terry is a youngster and Marvin is the old veteran, I think both of them are mature as football players, and they've been doing what they needed to do to get and stay as close to in shape as they can. But it was very good to see them back uh, out there participating. The one concern that has started to crop up in my head, Keith, this is what happens in August when you just start reading and digesting really what's just assumptions nobody knows. I'm starting to get more concerned about the 4-3 to a 3-4 switch. There is no difference. Everybody's making way too big a deal out of this. You think it's no big deal. This is an NBD. And we ran the 50. We ran the 50 back in the late 70s and early 80s. I'm still you know trying to come to terms is? with the fact that you, you know what the 50 it? is? Yes. The 50 is lining up a nose tackle on the center. You know what changes a 50? You move into a three technique. You move them 16 inches to the left or the right, and you now have completely changed your defensive philosophy. I had this conversation with Odell Sunday morning. You know, Odell is now coaching both the interior defensive tackles and the defensive ends. And people kept asking him, 4-3, 3-4, 4-3, 3-4. He said, There's, there is no difference. It will appear different. Everybody is going where they're allowing their, their outside guys to stand up. Even under Jimbo, when they had the – what they call the – when they were rushing everybody inside, everybody stood up. What was that defense called? Uh, the rabbit. The rabbit. rabbit. Yeah. Everybody was standing up. It, dime dime rabbit, yeah. I think it was normally in their it dime It looks package. different. It look, listen to me, people. It looks different, but it ain't that big a difference. All so right. that's a that's a NBD to me. Okay. I'll see you in New Orleans for the championship game then. I got nothing to worry about. I didn't go that far. All right. Um, this weekend, Madso turns six. I mentioned that they've got two days of festivities, so happy birthday to Madison Social. And then always creative, and I haven't actually looked at what's on it. But because it's back to school time and the students can generally pick up their syllabus and materials at, uh, at Target Print and Mail, yes, they've created a Madison Social syllabus that has a timeline and probably events and a checklist well, of things you, you to know, do for this semester. The syllabus is now available on Canvas, so they really don't print it anymore. Well, I understand. But in this case, that's what they're doing. By the way, you didn't ask me about date night at Centrale. I didn't. 
our listeners really don't want to know, but I'll give you the floor. You got like 12 seconds, and then we got to go to break. It was wonderful. 11. It was 10, wonderful. 9. And believe it or not, there are a bunch eight, of kids still there, even seven, though it wasn't class time. Good. Centrally is good. I actually good. haven't been there recently, but Thursday, I don't know if they still, they used to have the $5 old school squares. That's so, why the kids were there. <laughs> yeah. You may check that out on Thursday and, and see if that's worthwhile. All right. We're just getting cranked up. We'll come back and uh, get to the meat of the program here on Front Row Knoll. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, it is the eve of the launch of the ACC Network. We're going to dive more into that topic right now as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. Say hello to Florida State's Director of Athletics, David Coburn. And before we get into the ACC, David, did you ever think throughout your career, and, and you've had a, had a lot of positions and a lot of success, that you would someday be an athletics director? Absolutely not. <laughs> are, are you having fun in the role now that you've been there for you i know there's been a lot of work to do but uh uh I, i'm sure and you're a, you're a sports fan that you know there, there's challenges maybe you didn't expect but it's also enjoyable to be part of uh you know the team behind the team with fsu athletics yes i am enjoying it a great deal i really am is there a party at the Moore Center for the launch of the ACC Network tonight? Cake even? Is there been anything? Tomorrow night at 7. Where will you be? How's this going to go down? <laughs> uh, I will be at soccer. <laughs> Defending champs. That makes sense. Yeah. In all seriousness, though, to get to this point, I mean, fans have clamored for it. We know from a revenue standpoint that FSU and the other institutions in the ACC need this. Uh, you know, as we sit here with launch 24 hours away, are, are are we where you thought the ACC could be in terms of distribution and in terms of getting this thing off the ground? Um, pretty much right about where we thought we'd be, yeah. Uh, I think getting charter last week was the, the final little step that we needed to take to get to where we expected to be at this point. So... Um, as we move on from there, I think um, we'll probably be doing a little bit better than expected. David, you went public, uh, as many have, uh, telling fans that uh, you know, with Comcast not on board at this time, it's it, you need to make a decision about what you wanted to do. Uh, doesn't mean that Comcast doesn't come later. Doesn't mean others don't come later. But uh, you know, we're at we're at the season. It's time for you to get hooked up the way you want to, so you can see what's going on on the ACC network. Correct? Absolutely. If your carrier is not going to get it, there are options out there, and uh, we want you to have it, and you need to make a move. Do you anticipate that as the launch date passes, but we get into actual games that are televised only on the ACC network, the pressure will be such that some other carriers will come online? And, and two of game, week two and week three for FSU are only available on the ACC network. That's correct, and we do hope that uh, that pressure will build on those carriers from our fans and the fans of the other ACC schools. Um, and we believe ultimately it will work. Yeah. 
do you have these these haven't been shared externally certainly I, I imagine internally you have an idea but are you confident that this revenue stream obviously any additional revenue is a good thing but it, it, do you have an idea on what how much additional revenue this might bring um yeah i you know, we budgeted this year, uh, I think, a little over $3 million, uh, and that will build gradually depending on when some of the big carriers, such as DISH and Comcast, come online. How competitive, ultimately, or how close do you think it can, can get to what the SEC is distributing for its, for its media rights or that, that line item in the budget? I don't know that we'll ever be competitive with the SEC. Um, or the Big Ten, uh, in terms of that revenue stream. Uh, we're, we're just going to have to be very creative in doing some other things, and we've got to focus on ticket sales. Speaking of which, David, there's some, some different programs out, some different offerings, uh, things that are being done. Uh, we're, we're in an environment where you definitely have to be creative. Everybody's uh, struggling with it. It's, it's not a Florida State problem. It's a, it's a college football problem. But nevertheless, uh, getting people uh, in Dope Campbell remains a, obviously a very, very big priority. Absolutely. Absolutely, especially this year. And we're trying some flexible packages. We're having some success with them. And I think as we get closer to actual home games taking place, uh, we'll have more success with some of those. Obviously, winning will help with that. And I think we've been very fortunate here when you look back at the last 40 years. There's been an awful lot of success that that probably covered up some of the challenges that Florida State has. And and, and by challenges, I mean population and geography where our alumni base sits it's it's well chronicled so you know given that outside of the product on the field what other steps can you can athletics marketing can Seminole boosters take to improve the fan experience to to try and uh, create more interest in in an environment where the the viewing situation at home on tv is pretty good these days (laughs) yeah those big screen tvs are a pretty tough competition I think the first thing we're doing is we're working on scheduling, uh, trying to make sure that we're putting an attractive product out there on the field. Uh, We're going to work on amenities in the stadium. Uh, We're we're working on improvements in cell phone Wi-Fi service. We're working on improvements in uh, concessions. Uh, And then we're, we're going to take a long, hard look at what we do with the sideline seating as we move forward after this season. David, football in the South is obviously uh, ultra important, but uh, I know, and this has been the true of, of past uh, administrations as well, but you know, comprehensive excellence is, is part of what your department is going to be focused on on, on every day uh, that you come to work. And Florida State has enjoyed some pretty remarkable success from a comprehensive standpoint. Yes, we have. Uh, it's expensive, but that is our mission, comprehensive excellence. And uh, we've been very successful. I think everyone knows that we finished seventh in the Director's Cup last year. Uh, we've gotten a couple of national championships on the women's side, of which we're very, very proud. And we have some really, really good teams coming back in the Olympic sports this year. Um, some very powerful 
We're talking with FSU Director of Athletics, David Coburn. David, I want to go back to the scheduling piece just for a little bit because you've, you know, you added since you've become Athletics Director, you announced a, a home-and-home series with Georgia, which people were really excited about. Um, and, and so when you talk about improving the scheduling, is it is it more home-and-homes and less neutral sites? So this is an oversimplification. And is it particular attention paid to trying to get better caliber opponents in odd years when you don't have the anchor of, of – Florida and Clemson, which you get on the home schedule in even years? Well, certainly that odd, odd year is a focus. Uh, we're going to do our best to go after home and home. Uh, if we can get neutral site games that are lucrative uh, and can be leveraged uh, along with the rest of the, the games on the schedule for se- to you know improve season ticket sales, we're going to look very closely at those. Um, and we have some things cooking. We just aren't quite where we can to the point where we can uh, release information on that. But we're working hard on it. You know, David, isn't it amazing? You know, ten years ago, you, you played eight conference games, maybe one other game, and then you wanted three FCS opponents, and that was the recipe to get you to the BCS. And here we are, just a decade later, and now we're back to old school. We want home and home. You got to play the best in order to get in. Uh, it, it, this thing just continues to go up and down in waves, uh, quite amazing, but constantly changing. Yes, and uh, I'm not sure it's going to go down much in the future. I I think that when you look at uh, big time programs like at Georgia and Alabama and where they're heading in scheduling. Uh, I think that gives you a pretty good indication of where some really wise people think we're headed. Um, the other thing you have to keep in mind is you, you cannot do that kind of scheduling without support from your football coach. And um, we're getting that kind of support out of Coach Taggart, which is helping a lot. When Excuse me, Tom, but I was going to just follow up. One other thing that is a little unusual, every time you talk about home and home, you try to do those in back-to-back years, you know, so you get as close to each other as you can. But I'm wondering if, if your your group has talked about the fact when you're talking with others that maybe we need to go every other year to, to get away from that even odd year problem when you do a home and home. Has that ever been talked about with anybody? Oh, yeah. We, we look at everything. Um, we look at all the options. Uh, and remember, it's very complicated because even if a if a team has an opening on their overall schedule, you have to be able to match up dates. Exactly. And um, so, it, their strength of schedule for a given year may not match up with yours. Um, their open dates might not match up with yours. So, even though you may, may both have a need, you just sometimes you just can't make it work. I remember studying those permutations and combinations or whatever that phrase is. You're much brighter than I am, but it gets very, very complicated the more people you add to it. <laughs> yeah, um, Monk had uh, had made an art out of it, and, and truly it is much more of an art than a science, what I've discovered anyway. You've referenced where we're headed. Uh, I don't want to misconstrue, but is that in regard to expanding the playoff potentially when these TV contracts are done, or is that something you think is imminent or still, uh, you know, collect- Well, I, I don't think anything's going to happen until that contract ends. But uh, I think clearly you're seeing indications from a lot of powerhouse schools in what they're doing with their schedules that they do foresee something happening at that point. With that said, as it's an unknown, are you uh, 
you know, as I look at your your schedule, I think for the most part you're you're pretty set through the twenties. Are you at the point where you want to schedule further out into the 30s, or do you kind of have to wait and see because the league has to announce crossover opponents and you just don't know what the future land? You know, at some point, it's a roll of the dice if you get too locked in and the whole structure changes. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, We're beginning to look at that uh, out another decade. Uh, We've not begun to make substantial moves there yet, but we're exploring that. I think I'll just leave it like that because you're you're right. If you get too locked in too far out, um, you can find yourself in a little bit of trouble. Talk about changing and 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 uh, moving forward. Uh, the the renewed partnership between athletics and the boosters and the athletic association uh, to the common fan that may not seem like such a big deal. But internally and from a communication standpoint, that was something you advocated, and it was one of your top priorities moving forward. Yes, it was a priority for the chairman of the board of trustees and the president, and uh, I think it's going to work out very nicely. I think it's giving the boosters a, a voice in some issues that they need to have a voice in, such as scheduling and uh, facility priorities, things that definitely impact them, um, they need to be in on that. And uh, the athletic director needs to be heavily involved in the boosters business. And, so, uh, you know, previously that's kind of been optional, and it's not going to be now. Uh, we're using structure to uh, almost to mandate behavior, which is not a problem now, uh, but, you know, has been somewhat in the past and could be in the future. So I think structurally we're going to be in a lot better place moving forward well david tom and i are very interested in in you moving forward in your career and to that degree we're going to plant two ideas with you 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 can comment them on if you're not just i know what these are exactly so take your pen out write these down we'll let these be your ideas and just between us girls it'll come from us number one spring game needs to be a game do a home and home with somebody that's not on your schedule Go to their place one year, come to our place the next, sell the tickets out, don't, even, don't just make them reasonably priced, play a game for the spring game. And number two, for the ACC championship game, let that be the launch of your basketball season. Play two basketball games on Friday night, two basketball games on su- Sunday in Charlotte, sandwiched around the ACC championship game. No extra charge for those two brilliant ideas from Front Row Knowles. Well, those are certainly worth what I paid for them. <laughs> well played sir <laughs> well all right so he did not only is he not he doesn't have to throw anything out because he didn't write anything down so david we appreciate it well it's a pleasure gentlemen uh, always great to talk to both of you likewise thank uh, you david okay all right take, take care of director of athletics david coburn I, i'm not so much on the basketball standpoint anymore i was earlier i do think that the spring games at some point I don't think they'll get to be a game, but you could certainly do joint workouts where you've got, you, I mean, FSU and Auburn are three and a half hours apart. It would be great to go up there and run drills against each other, but we'll see. We're just planting you, seeds. You threw them out there. We're just planting seeds. We've got some better ideas than that, though, don't we? I mean, haven't we talked about what else have we vetted that's worth his time? It's real great because we can't remember. I can't, well, there's like <laughs> there's two or three other things that we always revert to. I don't remember what they are. Well, At we'll, some point we'll in the show, to, maybe we'll we try will. to remember them. All right. Uh, we'll get to uh, our Osceola Insider segment when we continue on Front Row Knowles. 
Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you, and it is time for our Osceola Insider segment, and this this truly is an inside segment because Bob Ferrante is inside the studio. Which well, this might be the first time that the insider ground. has been inside. He's been inside, so he's truly an insider here. Uh, Bob, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. Am I still on the Earl Bacon hotline? or, or Well, is... Earl Bacon appreciates the okay. fact that we will now mention that you're not technically on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. But I'll remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future. Yeah, that was well done, and that was not even in the script. So Willie Taggart spoke at the quarterback club last night. We're a, you know, we're a week closer to football than we were uh, last year. Uh, and even backing up from the quarterback club, it was media day this week. And then on Monday, they went out for practice, and lo and behold, and, and it started on media day. There's Marvin Wilson. There's Tamari and Terry. Neither of them is on crutches, on a cane, in a boot. And then they're out there Monday practicing. So it's been a good week so far. It's a uh, good time to exhale if you're a Florida State fan because I think a lot of people were on that ledge already with Boise coming up in about, what, you know, say under two weeks. And then you know that two of your top players, they haven't practiced in so long. Tamari and all camp and then Marvin, you know, how significant was that knee injury? Because we kind of saw it on the practice field and he was face down. I mean, at, at the first thought, I thought, oh, boy, this, is, this could be really bad. And then, you know, Monday night you go out there and, and they're both playing – and right at the end of the uh, open practice Monday night, Tamarian starts to run, and that acceleration, he just went. And he went, and he just caught the ball, and there was a celebration on the field. I think everybody, the knowledge that that knee is healthy, he's back, you know, that's that's your big weapon on offense. That's the guy who stretches the field. And then, you know, Marvin, same thing. He's the guy who makes that 3-4 work. If, if Florida State is all in on this 3-4, and by all indications, what we're seeing in practice, they are all in. Marvin's got to be healthy and good. Bob, one of the things we haven't talked about uh, is is special teams, and that was an area that FSU needed some improvement, both in terms of coverage and return, as well as the specialist. We haven't talked about it at all. How are the how are the kickers? Are they still out there? You know, it sounds like it's been a good uh, preseason for the kickers. I think what Ryan Fitzgerald has done coming. In as a true freshman from Moultrie, he's kind of sparked the competition with Ricky Aguayo. And I think that's that's maybe had Ricky step up his game a little bit more. He's He's been really focused on his mechanics and accuracy. And it sounds like Ricky's had a great camp. You know, Logan, I think Logan Tyler, you know what you're going to get. He's pretty consistent, does a good job of pinning the ball inside the 20. He gets Florida State out of a lot of jams and, and flips the field, which I think is a really good thing. You know, the, the big question still is, is that kick return going to be going to be functional? Is it going to put the offense in a position to find success? It looks like Keyshawn Helton and DJ Matthews are two of those guys who, who could be back there. But, you know, with all the playmakers, it could be just about anybody. I think the goal is, hey, let's just, let's just give the offense a little bit of a jump start instead of maybe at the 15 where then you're, as a play caller, you're kind of stuck. Or take a fair catch. I mean, do you think there's a novel idea? I mean, it, it's out there. We saw opponents do it last year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that rule, but it's such a new wrinkle. Maybe maybe players just don't I, think about it. I, I feel like it needs to become sort of what the pun is. I mean, Keith, you know, you stand on the 10 and if you have to back up, let it go. Right. You just get out of the way. 
Otherwise, you're taking a fair – well, it has to be similar. Like, if you can catch a kickoff and it's – if it's past the five, then maybe you're saying, you know, I'm going to go. But if it's not, especially if it's between the hash marks and the sideline, you're just going to call the fair catch and take it to 25. I mean, I would hope that there's a better plan with that this year. Well, the, the bigger thing, and not to get into the weeds, but the bigger thing with the kickoff fair catch is you've got to train your returners. It also has to do with the height of the football. Right. If it's a line drive kick – even if you're five yards deep in the end zone, you might want to bring it out. If they truly get under it and it's one of those picturesque things and it's coming down on the five-yard line or the seven-yard line, you probably want to fair catch that thing. Well, but one way you eliminate that is you just say, if it's five-yard line or back, I realize, you're calling a fair catch. I realize. You, uh, see, this is, we're like a married couple here, Bob. Let me, let's go to, to Willie's comments uh, the other night at the, at the quarterback club. I, you know, I think he was quoted as saying, we haven't had one bad practice yet. Which that's encouraging to hear, but at the same time, we drank so much Kool-Aid a year ago at this time that people are afraid to buy into that until they see the product. So do you think that things have, have turned and been as positive as, as what's coming out of camp right now? And you're there on a fairly regular basis. You know, this is kind of like spring training without the actual games. I think you have to trust what the coach is saying. But there is so much optimism, I think, especially on offense. Coach Tagger's all in. He has doubled down that the offensive line is the most improved position that he has on the roster. And he keeps saying it consistently, the confidence that he has in these guys and praising Randy Clements for the job that he's done developing these guys. If if this group, remember I think I said a couple weeks ago, baby steps, if they are baby steps better, not leap forward better, I still think with the tempo and where you can get the defense on its heels, that delivers you a few more points each game. So I think I'm maybe more optimistic about the offense, slightly optimistic about the offensive line, skeptical about this 3-4, how it's going to play out, even though I still feel, again, you go nickel probably 60% anyway, so you're getting five really good defensive backs out there. I, I think Coach Taggart knows that nobody's going to believe it until they see it on August 31st, and, and he's done a good job of convincing us I think everything that we've seen, though, is this is a better team, a deeper team. Uh, Coach Taggart's talked about competitive depth. That's been a huge storyline for him is these signing classes. These are his guys, not necessarily Jimbo's guys. These are his guys, and this is building competitive depth. And I think he really does feel like this team is going to get more wins. You know what I think is the million-dollar question? Maybe more so than – well, there's really two things. One, there are deficiencies you know, in certain segments – OL is one of them. They're, I mean, even if they're better, they're not where they want to be. And I would say there's probably not the depth on the DL that they want either. But separate that, to me, the big, the million-dollar question, because we saw it last year, and the answer was they shriveled up and stopped competing. What's going to happen when adversity hits? When they get hit in the – if Boise comes up and goes 80 yards and it's 7 nothing with 12 minutes on the clock in the first quarter, how does that team react? Because last year it became quite apparent – they were going to shrivel up, and that's what we saw, and that's why those games got out of hand, in my opinion. You could just see the body language and the shoulders shrug, shrink. And, and what's Boise's strength on defense? It's their defensive front. So how does Boise's strength go up against Florida State's weakness on the offensive line? This, you know, A lot of people can say, well, Boise is missing a quarterback, a running back, a new defensive coordinator. But look at the Jimmies and the Joes, and they've got the guys up front to give Florida State trouble. So this is going to be a game where there's going to be some punches thrown it's an unpredictable week one because we don't know what to expect with a new coordinator on Boise's defense, new coordinator for State's offense. It's just going to be kind of one of those you want to sit down and watch it, but you're kind of on the edge of the seats because you don't know what's going to happen either. 
But I would also volunteer, again, based on our experiences from last year with the overly optimistic attitude, I am really, really going to be happy two weeks from today to sit down and say, you know, Coach Taggart, uh, staff, I owe you an apology if Florida State, you know, wins that ball game 49 to 13 or something. I'll be more than happy to extend my apologies. Right. I think he'll be more than happy to say, I told you so, too. I, and that'll be okay. Well, the flip side of what I just said about how are they going to react when adversity hits, the flip side is I am confident the offense will be better and. It, that will lead to better play from the defense in terms of – I mean, the, we've talked about this. Field defense. position, all that the, stuff. The defense, they had about three drives in them, and at that point, if they'd had to take the field at their own 30 based on punts or turnovers, and now it's 20 to nothing and there wasn't any confidence that the offense was going to move the ball, it just was a resigned, we're just here to get this over with. And it's just human nature. I'm not picking – so if you have an offense that shows that it can move the ball and score, it in, in turn – even wherever the deficiencies are, that defense is going to play harder from start to finish. I mean, I think that's one, and it's hard to measure that, but I'm confident that's that's the result we'll see. And again, with Florida State having three really good running backs, Cam Akers, Kalen Wilborn, Anthony Grant, you know, these are guys who can have methodical drives. And I think if you just kind of build some confidence and get that defense to where you are gassed and you are not able to keep up and get set for that next play, Boy, the confidence from Florida State should just build play by play, drive by drive, and hey, wear out defenses as best you can and, and try to get some points on the board and get a win. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that coaches can tell players, here's what I want you to say, or players can talk amongst themselves, here needs to be our message. But Sunday morning, the message was really, really tight, and everybody sounded very, very um, bought in. And 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 that was very impressive, just from a sound standpoint. We haven't seen that in, in well, probably since the thirteen group uh, here at Florida State. Yeah, no, I thought it was good, and and the Democrat compiled all. That. I think it was the Democrat did it and put it all together, and they and it was it was almost like they were given the talking points to say that, and whether they were or not, I don't know. But their sales job on it was pretty convincing because we were both at Media Day as well. What did you think? And you've been around him. I guess this is the second time he. He spoke to the media. What's, what's your impressions of Kendall Riles? Guy is just smart, dialed in, ultra competitive. It's almost like he's going out there and playing on game days. He's got kind of that, I'm a former quarterback, and I'm going to call the plays that I think my guy can be successful with. I think he really likes James Blackman. Nothing has changed in my mind to think that at some point Coach Taggart's going to name Blackman the starter. I think Kendall Browse has a huge say in that, and I think he knows who's going to be successful in what he wants to run. I, I think Kendall is kind of the right guy for this group. Building through positivity has been sort of an, another theme, I think, on offense with this group. So, you know, Kendall is very much the right man for, I think, this offense. He sees the talented skill guys. He says this is the best group of skill guys, running back, receiver, tight end that he's ever had. And, you know, shoot, if they can block up front – they're they're going to be in good shape. I thought it was uh, – I've said before, he reminds me of Jimbo when it comes to kind of a little chip on his shoulder and, and belief in his offense. Now, the offenses they believe in are totally different. And I'm not saying everything else that came with Jimbo comes with Kendall. I've had limited interactions with him. But he, he definitely has uber confidence about what he can do. I thought it was interesting listening to him talk about uh, the signaling of the plays. Like He was already on record as saying that, no, i got to be – 
on the field. We don't need a middleman because that's going to waste four seconds if I got to tell Keith what the play is and then he signals it in. So that we're, we're done with that. For and then he went further this week to say, and it can't be anybody else signaling it in because Bob may do it a little bit differently than what I do. So they got to get, which is why in practice. He's over there doing that, so they get used to seeing it. He's not on the field coaching the quarterback. I just think the the level of, and and then Gene was drilling down, asking him about, you know, well, which plays enable you to go even faster? And he starts talking about, well, you know, when you're out wide, and then the officials got to chase down the ball. One of them's going to drop it and it slows you down. If you're running right up the middle, it's easier for them to spot the ball and go. I mean, this is all things that he's processed and is aware of, uh, a level of detail that we don't just necessarily think about when well, it comes to running tempo. There was a convers a sidebar conversation, not from from uh, Kendall, but sidebar conversation. It's even more complicated than that. If they go wide or if they go deep, they're already working with the ball boys. To get the ball boys, see the ball boy, I believe, can come all the way to the numbers. So they throw the ball 30 yards downfield. Florida State's ball boy is already on the numbers trying to get the referee or the center judge's attention to get them the football and not worry about tracking down that ball. Yeah. I mean, that's how into it all of this becomes. Yeah. We got about, we got about one minute to go, Bob. I, this goes to the offensive line. I don't feel like we've talked about it a lot, and I don't want to pick on DeAndre too much. But when DeAndre was here, we talked a lot about, to me, he just wasn't instinctual. It was more mechanical. You could kind of see him unfold his steps in his mind, and that was part of the problem with the sacks and, and the way the offense flowed. Do you think, regardless of who the quarterback is, and I'm with you, I think it's going to be Blackman, that we're going to be in a better place there just in terms of having some pocket presence and awareness when a play breaks down, Okay, I, I got to move. I got to slide. I got to step up. I got to do something to make this play have a better chance. Yeah, and I think James has shown it's a small sample size from last year, but he's more accurate. He's a better decision maker based on 2018. You know, playing in 2017 as a true freshman, we just saw a guy who was under fire constantly. Now he knows, I think, through that being under fire, you know from experience who are my guys. I think he trusts DJ Matthews, for example, his roommate. Keyshawn Helton is well-trusted, Tamari and Terry. You've got the weapons. You know where you can go. And if, if all fails, he is more mobile. And he has said he's more mobile than everybody has seen. I truly think he is a guy who can run. Do you want to run him 10, 12 times a game? No, not at all. But he's a guy who I think can make some things happen and at least move the chains forward so that you're not, say, in a bad second and long or, or third and unmanageable. Right. He is Bob Ferrante, our Osceola Insider, online at theosceola.com. You can go there for a seven-day free trial. Subscribe for $6.95 a month or $74.95 annually. Bob, good stuff as always. Enjoying our conversations here as we're a week closer to kickoff. Thanks, guys. One more segment to go. Keith and I will uh, wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back. 
back on Front Row Knowles. We still have a final segment to knock out here, Keith. We didn't get a chance to react to the comments of Athletics Director David Coburn. So we shall do so now. What uh, jumped out at you from that conversation? Well, d- bigger than just that one conversation, uh, David is such a uh, meticulous um, money guy. I mean, he, he was in the legislature on the appropriation side as a staff director, I believe. He obviously worked very closely when he was at Westcott uh, with things that were budget-related. And, and his ability to be conservative but fair and how he is managing the money, as, you, as we might say, I think is going to pay great dividends for Florida State down the road. He, th- gave, he gave a figure there related to the ACC network that's very conservative. Now, that's not new news. I mean, that's in, that was in the budget that they put $3 million in there. That's a conservative estimate. I mean, if you put $15 million in there, that's how your budget gets out of whack. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I am he, curious. I, I just want to – well, go ahead. Your other point. I was just going to say in terms of the scheduling, uh, you know, that that is a very difficult – thing and and he volunteered we didn't even ask him about it you've got to have the head coaches you know support you know there was a time and it's been well chronicled when when florida state was approached to play in a in a neutral game to begin the year and jimbo said no we're not ready and then that changed and that's how that alabama game came about uh in atlanta you know coach bowden inherited a schedule that was dominated with away games, but he wasn't afraid to play away games or home and homes. Uh, by signing up Georgia, we didn't mention the LSU, which is not really a home and home, but it's kind of a home and home uh, that Florida State has on the schedule. You know, you reach out to an Auburn, you reach out to someone, you know, it's reasonable geographically, but nevertheless a program, and you don't know what they're going to be six, eight, ten years down the road. Uh, you know, who would think UCF, you know, when when UCF went 0 and 11, everybody was wanting to schedule them for homecoming. And, you know, two, two years later, they go undefeated. I mean, that that's also a risk that you face in these types of things. And just balancing all that, you, you've got to just be meticulous. You've got to be hard-nosed. You've got to stick to your principles. And, and, and A.D. Coburn is all of those things in spades. He's, he's really, really good at the administrative side of things. So let's go back just a couple points there, then we'll get back to the ACC network. The point that you have to have the football coach buy-in is a big one. So since Coburn's been AD, they did sign the home and home with Georgia, and he said they're going to do better there. He wouldn't comment on – he's not going to comment on things that aren't signed publicly, so we didn't ask him about LSU and uh, FSU, though I'm told that is close. That was announced close to – not announced. It was reported close to a year ago, and it has not been formally announced. I'm told that, it, that we're close, and it will be Orlando and New Orleans, which was what was reported. That doesn't necessarily solve the home year odd – Unless, and you probably can't do this because you're getting more money from Orlando and New Orleans and they want to control the tickets, but if there was a way to make that part of the season ticket package in that odd year, even though it's in Orlando, that would generate more season. But, you know, if you don't do it that way, then you're going to get the dollars directly from playing the game in Orlando. Anyway, the other the other factors out there that you don't know, the ACC only has crossover games and opponents scheduled through 2024 right now. So... For instance, if you wanted to add Georgia Tech as a as a non-conference, which some opponents are doing because of the proximity, you don't even know what years you're going to play Georgia Tech after 2024. I mean, maybe they're on the schedule in 2025, and we don't know it right, right now because it hasn't been announced. And then the, all the TV contracts come up in 25-26, and that's when all the bowl tie-ins come up. So if you're going to change the playoff structure and go to eight – 
that's when the clean break would be, and you'd have to start having those conversations in 22-23 to make that work. So that's the scheduling piece. On the ACC network side, $3 million is in the budget. It's conservative. I still think, and he clearly said that it's never going to get to the SEC or Big Ten level. I've never thought it was going to get to that level. I do think it's going to close the gap more significantly within a couple of years when that's up there. This year the gap was about $15 million. I think it can get to a point – and this is without other things changing. I don't know what else the SEC's got in its mind. Well, and you don't know if Notre Dame's going to join the conference right, right. or we're going to reconfigure again. As we again, stand blah, now, blah, blah. you get this thing distributed and you go a couple years. I think it can shrink that $15 million gap to 5 to $7 million based on getting enough penetration. And again, I think that's reasonable and I think that's conservative. So if you hit a home run and something ticks you know, about the way uh, folks are downloading and downstreaming their content differently, that instead of getting 20 and 30 cents you know, for every cable, you're getting five and seven dollars from every, you know, uh, tablet. You know, we don't know what we're going to be talking about three or five years from now. Can I go back to his last point, by the way, where he threw us under the bus? First of all, if you don't know David, he's very dry, obviously, but he's got a great sense of humor and he unleashed it on Keith and I in that segment. The the basketball games around the ACC championship game started from one of the years FSU was playing there. We went four out of five years. It had just moved to Charlotte. I don't remember the specifics. And attendance was way down. Attendance was down. And that Saturday, Duke was playing at St. John's, which was a huge basketball game. And North Carolina was playing Kentucky at home. And they're wondering why people in Charlotte don't care about the football game. So that was the genesis of that. Look, if you're going to do that, have North Carolina and Kentucky play right here in Charlotte before the football game, and you'll have people here and you'll have energy. Uh, So I'm not really on board with that idea so much anymore but i am on board with the spring football game idea we're going to keep beating that drum i know the coaches don't want to play a regular game but you could at least do drills they do it the pros all the time you know work against another team it'd be more interesting than what we see right now i'm i'm in favor of a game and i'm bringing that from a and maybe i and obviously i am a very old former player but man that would just make the last two weeks of spring last week of spring way different mentally and then the opportunity to beat on somebody other than your buddies in an actual game uh, from a player's perspective i think it has a great appeal if you play an actual game though if you think about it well, you could take out the kickoffs you could take out the punch you could you could schedule something well, no, clearly, no blitzing in the second clearly, third quarter you clearly know, we'll, we'll make could, it like the pro bowl you could work out you, you could agree to any parameters. What I was going to say is one of the things in the spring game, it doesn't make for great viewing, but you get to play all your guys and get them out there on the field because all 22 of the guys on the field are your guys. At any one time. And if you're playing an opponent, now you've only got 11 guys out there, so you're not necessarily – so coaches would have to be willing to give up that amount of those reps, reps for those. No, there's no question. So, no I question. don't know. Nobody seems to be interested in this idea other than us, but next year when you're at the spring football game and you're all excited and then you get in there and you watch it for 10 minutes and you're thinking, man, we need more here. Just remember this idea. Tuck it away. That's all I got. No, the one other idea. This oh, one you have happen. one more now. It's not related to the spring game. We've talked about this, too. The targeting thing. Stop wasting our time during the game on game days figuring out if the guy should be kicked out of the game or not. Just let the league review that on Sunday and suspend him for the next game instead of this crazy half-game stuff that takes five minutes of our time. Just And then it can be policed and enforced consistently across the board. Agreed. I'm done. Man, we sound like the old men. Maybe we need to change the name. Yeah. <laughs> Now, that will definitely <laughs> hurt our limited listenership as it is, right? Front row Knowles on bifocals. All right. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I probably should be. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll do this again next week. Talk to you then. Thoughts control.
Jesus. 